the place I am most comfortable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the gift of those who have seen your beauty and your glory and have written songs with the intent of leading us and guiding us to see your beauty and your glory as well and to sing of it, to sing of it from hearts that well with love for you, appreciation to you, and a desire to make your beauty known to others. And so we gather together tonight, Lord, to be strengthened by your word, to be convicted, to be pierced, to be changed by the Spirit of God as he uses the Word of God to magnify the name of God in the people of God tonight. So help us, Lord, to do this. Help us to see. Help us to embrace. Help us to love as we read about tonight. And we ask for you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104 is where we will be tonight. And I would title this section, A Pure Love for God's Word. Love is an interesting thing. I spent, you know, if you just think about it, spent some time thinking about it this week. And the famous theological trio, DC Talk, once said that love is a verb. They're not really theological. If you're not familiar with them, don't think I got my theology from them. Just... But they said love is a verb. It's an action, right? It's something that we do. And that's certainly true. Um, I think we would also agree, though, that love is something that you feel. It's an emotion that we have as well. And ideally, the emotion and the action would come together, like every single time. Right, The love for what is right, you know what is right because it's been defined in God's word as being right. And you le- therefore you love what is right, you embrace what is right, and then you're compelled, you want to do what is right. And in a perfect world, our, our feelings and our affections of love and the actions of love come together and they're always in perfect unison and harmony. And sometimes we confess, well, that's just not the way that life is for us. Sometimes we feel the affection of love and it varies from person to person and it varies from the person to person depending upon you know, how well you're getting along with that person. So even though a husband and wife can have a deep, rich, intimate love for one another, that love isn't always the same because they're not always on the same page. Also, though, we are sometimes driven to do what the loving thing is, even when we don't feel like or want to do it. Because we know that that's the right thing to do. We know what it's what God defines as being loving, and he, his, his, his will, his desire for us is valuable, and so then we set forth in wanting to do the loving thing, even if we don't feel like there's much love involved in doing it. Tonight, as we look at God's word in this section, we see a pure love for God's word. It's profoundly simple in some ways, but the purity of it is profound as well. And you see the, in the psalm, you see the confession of this honest, heartfelt, pure love for God. And you see the effects 
of that love for God as well. And then you see how the person is really committed, compelled to the Word of God because they love the Word of God. And in that, I find very convicting because I know that, you know, any time that I, dis- that I fall short of living the way that God wants me to live and he's communicated in his word, it's, it's a problem of the love that I have for him. It's rooted in a, a lack of love for him and a lack of love for his word. And I want to fix that. I want to remedy that in my life. And I want you guys to want to remedy that in in your lives too. And so that's why we talk about these things and why the Lord speaks to us in this way that he does. So we read, beginning in verse 97 in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I think you could just, I, I at times had a hard time moving past verse 97. Asking myself, is that really true? Of me, I mean, you read these passages, you read a verse like this, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's me, moving on. I mean, really? Like, that's you all the time? Yesterday, last night, this morning? Will it be like that tomorrow, next week? Was it like that last year, last month? Can you honestly say, oh, I love your law? Has there never been a time where you've come to the Word of God and You've bristled and you haven't loved what you've read because you know that what you read is the very last thing you feel like doing or that you want to do and you couldn't imagine God possibly asking you to do that thing, to see life that way, to pursue that. But yet the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Like, I want the purity, I want that simple, honest confession to be true for me. I just want to be able to say, I love, like, and to be able to say it all the time and mean it all the time. There is a part of me, in in the big picture generally, I do love the Word of God. But if I'm being completely honest, there are times where I come to the Word of God and I don't like, I don't love what I see, what I read, because it's hard. Because I'm so prone to sin, I'm still so infected with this disease of sin that it disagrees with the goodness and the purity and the loveliness and the holiness and the righteousness of God's law, of his word. But to say, oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. You see, like, there's a link between what it is that you love and what it is that you ponder, what it is you think about, what it is you meditate upon. And it's a two-way street. If you love the Word of God, you're going to meditate upon it, you're going to ponder it, you're going to think about it. But on the flip side of that, whatever it is you are meditating upon, pondering, thinking about very often, that's probably reveals to us what it is we really love. Where does your mind go when you have free time? You know, the moment of that 30 minutes or hour before bed. You know, for me and Amy right now, it's like the hour we get before bed. Kids, Abigail and Mike are asleep. Asher's asleep for the time being. He's happy. And we're just like, what do you want to do? I don't know. You want to go to bed? Sure. (laughs) 
I mean, that's, but what do you do? What do you think about when you have free time and downtime? The psalmist says that because they love the law of the Lord, it's his meditation all the day. And not just in those free moments, but do you think about the word of God all the day? In, in the sense that, does the word of God, is it always playing a role in informing whatever it is that you're doing at that moment? How often do we think about, you're at your job, and you're dealing with a coworker, or you're at the grocery store, or you're running errands, or you're sitting at the red light, or you're parenting your children, or you're homeschooling, or you're whatever it is you're doing, and you're going, whatever I'm doing at this moment is being informed by the truth of God's word. There's a constant flood and influx and input of the truth of God's word into my mind and into this situation, and it is going to inform what I do right now. Not what I want, not what I'm thinking, not what I'm feeling, but the truth of what I know, I know God's word says, that is what is informing the next word that comes out of my mouth. The next step that I take. The next thing that I purchase. Because God's word is my meditation all the day. And that really sets up the rest of the psalm. I said, I think it was in our second... Um, Wednesday night and going through Psalm 119 that the phrase all your word for all of life with all my heart was a theme that stood out to me as I read through this psalm and it's and it's sections like this that remind me of that is all of your I'm talking about all of your word is all of your word informing all of my life and is it affecting all of my heart, everything that I do? Because the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God. And so really to love him and to meditate on the law all day is to love him and to think about him, to have thoughts of God. How often are you thinking of him? Last Sunday in the, in the message, we talked about how that is, should be prevalent in our prayer life, thinking of God and his character in the way that we pray and the things that we pray about so that we will not lose heart. I, I read verse 97 and I'm like, this is a person who has not lost heart. They feel like, it sounds like they're full of heart because it's, their life is being informed by God's word and they're meditating upon the truth of God's word. And this is the effect of it we see in 98, 99, and 100. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. We see the effect that the word of God has in the psalmist's life. Makes him wiser than his enemies, more understanding than all his teachers, and more understanding than the aged or the elders who, you know, in that culture were highly esteemed. They were the people that had a lot of life experience. A lot of, a lot of track behind them practicing God's word, applying God's word, living out God's word. I imagine those are the people who 
are, would oftentimes go to the younger generation and go, do not lose heart. Hold fast to the word of God. Apply it. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. He is good, he is faithful. I can tell you, he has proven himself over and over and over again. He cannot lie. He is faithful to the end. Cling to your Lord and your God. But the word of God is the thing that makes us wiser than our enemies. I think of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness during this. The enemy tempting him. And how does he respond? Quoting the word of God. Correcting, making, he's proving himself to be wiser than his opponent. How is it that you're going to be successful in fighting against temptation? Because temptations are sure to come. Are they not? So how are you going to be successful in fighting against temptation? How are you going to be successful in living fruitfully and faithfully in the midst of the enemy? How is wisdom in your life going to prevail if you're pulling from the source of wisdom, the one who is wisdom incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ himself? He's the one who makes us wiser. As we continue to grow in our conformity into, Christ, into the image of Christ, we grow to be like him and we grow to be like the one who is the very definition of wisdom, God himself. And in accumulating that wisdom, it's intended that we would apply that wisdom. If you spend any time reading through the Proverbs, I love the saying that we read over and over again, my son, my son, my son. You could read that as, you know, for ladies, my daughter. It's, it's, it's the call for God's children. My children, come to me. Listen to my instruction. Let wisdom fill your heart. Keep it as the apple of your eye. Hold fast to it. Bind it around your neck like a necklace. Inscribe it upon your heart. Keep it on your wrist. Wisdom is to be sought out over and above everything. It's more valuable than riches or gold or precious jewels or stones or anything else. Because wisdom is what gives us the ability to prevail against the enemy, who comes against us with his form of wisdom, right? There's two counselors in our life. There's the, there's the spirit of God, God himself, using the counsel of his word, and then there's the false counselor who comes in and says, did God really say, and that's really the temptation all the time, does God really expect you to stand firm in this? Surely he understands if you give in and give way now. Did God really say, does he really expect you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you? That stuff was written so long ago. It's so outdated. You don't need to do that stuff anymore. Does God really tell you to practice forgiveness against those who have wronged you? Does God really expect you to be compassionate and kind and merciful towards those who would never be that way towards you? Did God really say... And if you know the word of God, then you've accumulated wisdom to be able to say at least, yes, God has said. And I can, and I will, because I cling to him. It's giving me more understanding than all my teachers, and I understand more than the aged. Those who 
profess to be teachers, those who profess to be the leaders, God's word equips me with what I need to live a life that's pleasing to him. And we see how then he's compelled to keep it in 101 and 102. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. When you are convinced that the word of God is lovely beyond all comparison of anything else, you're compelled to want to keep it to live according to it. I hold back my feet from every evil way. Why? Because there's, there's nothing enjoyable in what is evil? That's certainly not the case. Sin is enjoyable, very enjoyable for a season, in fact. No, I hold back my my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. God himself, the Spirit of God, is our teacher. We open up his word, and the intent is that we come as students. We love the word of God, but we're never the master of the word of God. The question is, is, has it mastered us? Do you love it to the degree where in the ability to keep it, the opportunity to keep it, is a privilege to stand firm in the midst of trials and temptations? It's one of the reasons why we're going to sing how firm a foundation. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. If you've been taught anything from the Word of God at any point where it's been imprinted, impressed upon you, it's been taught to you by the Lord. I love the way that the psalmist speaks about the personal nature of God present in His Word. Because you have the Word, you have God speaking. He is the teacher. And so then he says in 103 then, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. It echoes, it goes back to what it was that we read in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I love honey. I think it's delicious. But to see, and that's why the psalmist uses this kind of language. Because it's more desirable, it's sweeter, it's better, it's more desirable than, than anything that you can possibly desire that you have tasted. I mean, if honey doesn't do it for you, whatever that thing is that does it for you, you know, like dark chocolate or ribeyes or whatever it is, that, you, that is your thing, God's word is better. And there's something unique about this experience, right, of being able to taste something and enjoy it. It's like it affects, it affects, what, you, it affects what you smell. It affects what you experience. Have you ever sat down at a meal and had something put in front of you and you're like, ugh, that looks gross. Maybe it tastes good. No, it tastes gross too. The whole meal, everything's ruined, right? I mean, that's kind of, 
What happens? And that's kind of like what the Word of God is. is. It's the value of it is communicated as being more valuable. It's, it's compelling. How sweet are your words to my taste? Is that, is that how you read the Word of God? Because you love it so much, it's so sweet to you? You open it, you read it, and you read words of, yes, you read words of, of conviction. And you read words of sanctification and change and growth and all of these things like that. But don't you also read words of hope? Don't you read words of comfort? Of peace? Of joy? Of rest? When you come to God's Word, don't you read words that are sweet? To your taste. You ever have those moments where you're reading the Word of God and it seems like everything is just right in the world for at least that moment? And then he ends with Through your precepts, I get understanding. Where does this understanding from 98, 99, and 100 come from that makes us? wiser than our enemies, more understanding than our teachers, and more understanding than the age. It's through your precepts I get understanding. It's through the Word of God we gain this understanding. The Word of God is lovely to us, the Word of God is sweet to us, and the Word of God provides us with wisdom that helps us overcome, and then we're compelled by the Word of God to live it out and apply it because it's so treasured and valuable and dear to us. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Anything with, if God's word is true and is full of truth, then any, any, any system of thought, any worldview that sets itself up against the truth is a way of error it's a way of falsehood, and it's rejected and hated because it, it makes itself a competitor of what is true and right and lovely and good. I, I, would, I would use the term perhaps even jealous. Do you love the Word of God so much, and is it so sweet to you that you are jealous for it, and every... every system of thought that puts itself up as a competitor against it, you reject because you're so jealous for the truth of the word. My prayer is that very simply we would love, we would have this pure love for God's word because we see that it, it proceeds directly from him we would see and taste how sweet it is. We would acquire the wisdom that it gives to us, that we are compelled to apply it and live it out in a way that is um, pleasing to the Lord and that we would reject any way that sets itself up against the truth of God's word. Let's pray. Father, to do what it is that we're asking, to do what it is, to have a, have a heart that's in the position of the psalmist here is going to take 
a work of the Spirit of God. We see it. I desire it. I do what I can to meditate upon it. I want to meditate more upon how, how can I love the Word of God? Why is the Word of God that lovely? What is it about the Word of God that um, is, is meant to hold me captive to its beauty and its depth and its riches? magnificence that's what I I want to see I want to know I want to I want to acquire more of that I want to I want to bring in and draw in wisdom the fool that I so often am Lord I confess those things to you and I pray God that you would continue to lead and guide and teach I thank you for your faithfulness that you do so I pray for these things for us as a church Lord You would hold fast to the word of God, clinging to your word, tasting of it, of its riches, of its sweetness, and then being compelled to apply it and live it and share it with others. Seeing and watching as as the truth of your word topples competing thoughts and worldviews. As the truth of your word absolutely demolishes, it destroys any competitor up against it, and that we as your people would be that confident in your word to wield it in that way. Not, no, Lord, not having the power come from us, not being confident in ourselves, we boast in our weakness, Lord, but being confident in you and in your word and therefore being set free to watch you do what it is that you do when your word goes forth. So encourage us, build us up, equip us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.